Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. Maligayan Pasco. Welcome everybody. My name is Oliver. I'm one of the pastors here at the Awakening Church. We are so excited. Are you excited? I am excited because we're only 19 days away from Christmas. Let me figure out this microphone here. All right. So we are 19 days away from Christmas. And I just want to ask you a question. Are you done with your, gizma, uh, your Christmas gift uh, shopping list? Oh, we got one right there. Congratulations. Did you set up the Christmas tree? Mm, no, not yet. Okay. You know, this is a very busy season for all of us because obviously we want to have a great Christmas. You know, Christmas brings a lot of memories to all of us. I grew up in Mexico, and in Mexico, we have a very a special way of celebrating Christmas. Nine, nine days before Christmas, we do something that is called the posadas. I don't know if you ever hear about this. But the posadas are actually a beautiful way of the community getting together. And what we do is that we get these two figurines, one of Joseph and one of Mary. And then we carry them around the street, and we look for a house to place them. And then as we are doing that, we sing songs, and then once you get into a house, you knock different doors, and then they, you start singing a song saying, can we come in? Can we come in with the pilgrims? Can we uh, join into this house? And then uh, sometimes they say, no, you can't. <laughs> so you got to keep trying, and we go house by house in the neighborhood trying to like bring these figurines of Joseph and Mary. And then finally, someone decides to open their door, and then when they open the door, everybody celebrates. And then the, celebrate goes on, the celebration goes on because what we do is that the person that is hosting everybody, they have to offer a meal and drinks for all the people in the, in the neighborhood. Then we do uh, the piñata, and then uh, uh, the kids get to enjoy hitting and beating up the piñata, and then everybody gets candies, and then this goes on for nine days. It's a great way of celebrating Christmas time. Uh, my wife is from the Philippines, and she told me that in the Philippines, they actually start celebrating Christmas in September. So go figure that out. Christmas is a great time for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I told you about the story about the posadas because growing up, you know, this was part of a tradition. This tradition, actually, it's been going on in Mexico for about 400 years. And honestly, when you ask people from Mexico, why do they celebrate this? They simply say to you, it's because that's what we do. It's part of our tradition. It's part of our culture. It's my grandma used to do this, and she told me to do it. That's why I'm doing it. So when I came to the United States and I, I uh, became a believer of the Lord Jesus, I started reading my Bible. And then when I read the Bible, I found that actually this tradition or this uh, event it's actually written in the Bible in a, in, a, in a very amazing way, in a deeper way that actually tells us about the greatest historical event that ever happened in the history of the world. Now, before we go into the scripture and before we go into Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, I just want to give you a quick overview about what was going on at, during this historical time. The people of Israel, the Jews, they were living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And 
the Romans been there for over 60 years. They, uh, they, the people were already uh, impatient. They were desperate. The Romans were very, very hard on them. They charged them a lot of taxes. They have to pay, you know, uh, taxes for everything they do. Uh, and they were really waiting for someone to come and deliver them. They were really expecting that this Messiah figure, this Savior figure, will appear, but their intention was more focused on being free from the political and the governmental, the government that they had. They wanted to have a, a revolution that can liberate them from this oppression. Another interesting thing that happens here is that when we read the Bible, as you know, the Bible is divided in two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and in the Old Testament, the last prophet, which is a messenger uh, from God, the last prophet, uh, Malachi, um, wrote uh, these uh, statements. So we have these statements from Malachi, but for over 400 years, which is kind of like a dark time period, for over 400 years, the people of Israel didn't hear anything else from God. So you can imagine a whole generation after generation, they did not hear any more about from God. And all of a sudden, all these events start lining up. Things start happening in the place where they live that are really, you know, showing us and aligning everything to a time where this amazing event was about going to happen, which is the birth of Jesus. Now, let me uh, tell you about a little bit about Luke, because Luke is, a, we know he was a doctor, and this particular gospel was written for the Greeks, and there's a lot of details in the way that he writes the gospel, and the way he does it is because of his profession. He wants everybody to understand what was going on, and as I say, when, he, when we start reading chapter 1 of Luke, we see that he is describing the political situation, who is the king, what is going on with the people of Israel, what is happening. And then he talks about the, the, the Elizabeth and, and, and this priest called Zechariah. They're about to have a kid, and this kid was going to be named, or we're going to know him later on as John the Baptist. Actually, Elizabeth and, and the mother of Jesus, Mary, were cousins. They were related. So uh, this is the preview. John the Baptist was going to be announcing the, that the Messiah had arrived, and the people of Israel were going to start getting to have the opportunity to uh, hear from him and repent from the sins and uh, acknowledge him as the Savior, as the Messiah. But then after that, we're going to Luke chapter 1, and there is a visit, a visitation from an angel. And he came and visited Mary. And let me, let me tell you about this. Let me share this with you. In Luke chapter 1, 31, 35, says like this, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Jesus, or in Spanish we say Jesus. Jesus means he saves. His name was going to be given as the Savior. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God, will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Then, as we move on, I was just thinking about the... Give me one second here. 
Then the, it goes on and it says, And how will, it be, will this be? Mary asked the angel, Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will, over, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And I was thinking, you know, if we finish the story here and we didn't know what happened later on, I was just thinking, well, this was going to be the greatest person, and he is the greatest person that was born in history. And I was thinking, you know, can you imagine the kind of baby shower celebration that this baby should have had? Or the gender reveal party, you know? That would have been a great celebration. And you know, when, when I move on into the, into the gospel and I went on chapter 2, and I find now the condition, and, and we, are not, we are familiar with the story, you know, the condition that he was born, I was just thinking, you know, it is amazing to see and to walk through the story and see how the Son of the Most High, the greatest person alive that ever stepped on this world, was going to be coming into this world. And, it, and it's amazing because as, as you go into the next chapter and we go into Luke chapter 2, and as I say, we have to think about the whole political situation, what was going on in the, uh, with the people of Israel. You will realize that there's so many events that prove that Jesus came into this world. That this is not just a story, it's not just another story that we hear over Christmas time. But there is the evidence, there is the archaeological evidence, the historical evidence that Jesus was actually in this world. And now, let me take you there in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And it says there that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this is one of the first evidences that we see. The emperor of Rome called for a nationwide or empire-wide census. Now, this census had two purposes. One of them had to do because he wanted to recruit more uh, military, more people for the military, and know that Jews were not uh, obligated to serve in the army. But the other, the other census took part because he wanted everybody to pay taxes. That sounds familiar, isn't it? He wanted every single citizen to pay taxes so they can support the Roman Empire. So they, this is interesting because it's not just about having a census, but it's the timing and how God used a person that the Romans will identify him as a God to prepare the coming of the true God. We see the contrast here. We see this big emperor, the king, the, the most powerful man on earth, Preparing the way without even knowing for the coming of the Son of God. And this is incredible because when you read this, it starts making a lot of sense. When you put these historical events together, you will see that it's not just God's will happening here, but there's also something very amazing happening that the emperor, the, the, the emperor didn't even know. There was a fulfillment of a prophecy of something that was written hundreds of years ago by the prophet Micah, and he was announcing how it was going to happen, the birth of the Messiah. So when you start reading this, I mean, I get excited because then all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense 
when you're reading about the, the story of the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, then after that, we see here that it says, this was the first census that took place while Quirinus was the governor of Syria. And everyone went, in, went to their town to register. So the, so the decree was, we're going to have a census, but I don't care where you live. You're going to move to the town where you're from. And there, you're going to meet with your family. And everybody there, we're going to count you. And if you don't, you're going to get in big trouble. And you know, you know, during those times, you didn't want to get in trouble with the government. Here, they, you know, may, you may get, may get a letter from the IRS saying, you know, you didn't pay your taxes. We're going to take your paycheck away and blah, 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 right? Or you get the scam call saying, you know, they're calling you to, like, uh, charge you for all the money you own and give them your bank account and pay them $1,000 by Western Union and everything is fixed. No, in those times, if you didn't pay taxes... You were going to have, you know, big trouble with the, with the Roman Empire. It can cost you your own life. So that was very, very, very important. And then, as they move on into their own town, I'm having problems here. You know, it says in verse 4, So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And this is another evidence of the Messiah of Jesus. Joseph actually came, came from the family line of King David. And as we read in Psalms and as we read from the prophet Isaiah, you know, the Messiah was going to be born in this family line. So this is so amazing how all things got aligned from them having to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem, from Joseph, you know, being part of the family line of David. And then it goes into verse 5. It says, And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. But wait, he was suspecting a child. I don't know. Have you ever traveled or have done a road trip with a pregnant woman? <laughs> that is a challenge. I remember years ago, my wife and I, we traveled along the uh, Highway 1 on the coast of uh, California, and she was pregnant. And we practically, literally, have to stop every 30 minutes. <laughs> it was a really interesting trip. I mean, that Highway 1 takes forever, but then when you have to stop every hour because she needed to rest, because her feet were swollen, because she needs to use the restroom, you know, it was a challenging trip. And now imagine, you know, they're traveling by donkey or by horse or walking. It was a very difficult journey. But Joseph had to do it because of the consequences that he will face of he disobeyed that. But what he did not know is that he was actually fulfilling also the prophecy. He was also fulfilling God's will. And with this, I want to say, sometimes we may go through journeys that are difficult. Sometimes we may feel that we're going through a situation that is very hard. All of a sudden, you feel like, oh, it doesn't make sense what I have to go through this rocky road in my life. But if you pay attention and you are faithful and you understand God's will in your life, you may end up going into the place where he wants you to be to fulfill his will in your life. And that is so beautiful to understand. You know, they were probably got the chance to complain and all that, but even Mary knew after the visitation from the angel, she needed to do and submit and do all these things. 
you know, they have a lot of challenges as a couple, but, you know, God was going to fulfill that promise in their life. And, you know, when they were, while they were there, the thing came, the, thing, the time came for the baby to be born. And what an exciting moment. What an excited moment for that. You know, nowadays when somebody is about to deliver a baby, we make all kinds of preparations, right? We prepare the crib, we prepare the stroller, we prepare, like I say, baby showers, we gender reveals, we do all these things. But when they move, we have to move in urgency, they found themselves completely unprepared. They found themselves going into a place of the unknown. No place for them to stay because the following verse says, she gave birth to, the fir- to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in the clothes and placed him in a manger. And I want to stop here because it says, there was no guest room available for them. The king of kings was about to be born. The Messiah was about to come into this world, but there was no room for him. Nowhere in the town. When I read all this story, then it made a lot of sense about that tradition that I told you at the beginning of my sermon. It made a lot of sense, you know, like going around house trying to knock the door and find a place for the baby to rest or the Mary to lay and have the baby deliver. But you know what? I was thinking about Today, I was saying, this is such a great time for us to think about if we ourselves are making room for Jesus. Are we making room for Jesus on this time? Are we, each of us, are we preparing the coming of the King into our lives? Or we are very busy with everything that is happening We are very busy with all the news, new COVID variants, the stock market, all kinds of problems that we may face. Are we busy with buying gifts or busy with thinking about all these things that are temporary? Or are we, all of us, are truly making room for Jesus? Because I think this is a very important season for us. I was thinking about last year, This time, all of us were stuck at home. Last year, this time, probably, one of the things I would say that I miss about that season is that no one seemed to be so busy to do something. Everybody was kind of like stuck. But right now, we're getting back to this normal way of living. And the question is, are we truly making room for Jesus? Let me just make some points here. I think the first thing that we need to make room for Jesus is to quiet our hearts. You know, one of the things that I want to try, try start doing, that I started doing this December is, I want to take five minutes every day to like shut off my phone, my TV, <laughs> shut off my kids if I could, <laughs> shut off everything, and just be quiet and just make room for Jesus every day. Because we all need Jesus every day. And if you don't pay attention, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with everything that is happening and forget about who Jesus is. The Messiah, the King, the Savior, the hope, the light, God with us. So my, my invitation for all of us, including myself, is that in this season, we make room for Jesus and 
Let me just give you a, a verse that can inspire us to do that. It's a little bit, the battery is dying on this. There. Oh, sorry about that. I love this be calm and be still verse, but I like this version on the message that it says like this. A step out of the traffic and take a long and loving look at me, your high God. It doesn't feel like we're in traffic every day. Sometimes we feel like we're in traffic every day or daily routine. Get up, make coffee, prepare breakfast, take the kids to school, go back home, do your chores, go to work. And then sometimes we just feel that we're doing all this over and over. And it's Sunday again. Church, let's go to church. And we'll see you next Sunday. And then it repeats, 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 repeats. But be still. Come down. Make room for Jesus. Take a time off. Five minutes a day. Make it a habit. Like any habit that you have. Just make it part of your daily life. And trust me, and I believe that it's going to help us to really sense and to really believe this promise from God. The next thing I want to share with you is this one. Make room for his word. What is speaking to you right now? Are the news speaking to you more than God's word? Are the situation around you and your work and your life and your family, your spouse, your children, are speaking more to you than God's word? Because if that is the case, maybe it's time for you to make room for that. It's time for you and for me to make room for God's word every day. You know, it's like a, the daily bread that we need. It's to know God is with us in times of need. It's to know God is always there. So make room for his word. Make it a priority in your life. Make it a time where this Christmas season, you really seek to listen to his word. And not just listen, but to make it, to practice what God says. To make it part of your life every day. Because I think when we do that, it's amazing what can happen. You know, you can, do a, you, can, you can try this. It's like they've done these experiments before with music, for example. Music can change the mood of your day. You can uh, play very soft and classic, and you may be very relaxed and calm. But if you start playing heavy metal <laughs> or some kind of like heavy music, you're going to be very, you know, according to that, your mood will change. So if you let God's word to be part of your daily life, I am sure that your life will be very different. My life will be very, very different. And, you know, this is the promise that we have from his word. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Made his dwelling among us. The, third, the, the next thing I want to share with you and this, I think this is very, very, very important. You know, we all hear about the year-end sales, right? Big stores want to get rid of all the stuff that they didn't sell during the year. And people run and buy things that they don't need, so they can just store them in their garages. <laughs> or people buy things that they don't need, so they can just give it to someone, you know, that maybe don't even need it, and it will just do the same. Year-end sales are the perfect time to clean the room. 
to make room for new teams. But this year end, maybe it's time for us to come out clean with God. What is the thing in your life and in my life that we need to come out clean? What is that thing that we need to tell Jesus, Jesus, I need to come out completely clean from this? This is a great time to do that. This is a great time to really seek and ask God to help us to realize, to give us the conviction, that's the big word, about the things that we need to change. Maybe it's the way we're dealing with other people. Maybe it's the way we are dealing with our spouses. Maybe it's the way we're dealing with our own children. Are we getting easily upset? Are we really getting, you know, irritated? Or we are going back into the same place over and over and over where we know we shouldn't be going back? This is a great time to say, Jesus, I need to make room to come up clean. To come up clean with you first. To confess my sins to you, God. To ask you to help me so I can truly experience your freedom and the gifts that you have for me. And I think uh, this is beautiful because, you know, you really think about it, it only takes a couple of minutes to come up clean and humble with God. It just really kind of takes with the sincerity of saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need more of you in my life. So those things that are filling up my room can be replaced with you so I can truly live the way you desire I should live. You know, it's, it, it's one of those things that I think um, sometimes we don't want to talk about it. It's like the big elephant in the room, if you call it that way. Some of those things that nobody likes to talk about. Because we want to feel secure. We want to feel safe. We don't want to be rejected. But I think, uh, you know, the Lord reminds us that he wants us to come as we are. He wants us to know that we, there's hope in his name, that we can come out clean, and that if we make room for him, I think uh, it's going to be beautiful what can happen in our lives, and in our relationships most especially. So, you know, there's a, a beautiful promise on this where it says in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and now my anxious thoughts and see if there are any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Amen. Um, you know, as we're talking about making room, I think this is a great time to make room for the Savior to come in. You know, the people, I, I'm thinking about the people in this town of Bethlehem when Mary and Joseph were knocking doors, and I'm thinking about them, thinking, I don't know who these people are. And they missed out in the greatest event of history. Imagine what would have been if, for example, a family opened the door and said, come, and you can stay in the master bedroom. They're probably their name will be written down in the Bible, and we will all be talking about them. But they missed out. They missed out. Because they didn't know what was going on. But you know, you and I have a beautiful gift and a beautiful opportunity. We don't have the excuse to miss that because we have God's word saying about who Jesus is. We know the story. 
We know what happens. We know what happens at the end. We have heard about his coming and his second coming. We know about the promise of eternal life for those who believe in his name. We know of the promise of resurrection. We know of what he did in that cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We know how much God loves us that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know all this. So my question for us, and I don't know where you are in your journey with your walk in discovering who Jesus is, but you can either be someone who has followed him for a long time, but Jesus is still not fully part of your life. You can be someone that welcomed him a while ago and walked away from him, or you can be someone that for the first time are hearing this. I don't know, but whatever you are, whatever journey you are in, don't miss the chance to make room to invite Jesus or Savior to come into your life. Don't miss it. Because there's nothing more important. There's no other important decision that you can make. The most important decision you can make in your life is that. Don't miss it. And I promise you, I believe me that when you do that, your life will turn a complete turn. Your life will be completely different. It doesn't promise us that we won't be having troubles. It doesn't promise us that everything is going to be nice and joyful all the time. But he promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he will always be with us. And that then we can become overcomers if we know that our victory comes from what Jesus did for each of us. What a great gift of Christmas. What a great gift of knowing that you can actually make room for this promise. And not only that, that you can share this with other people. You know why? Because more than ever, people are in need of hope. After what we all lived through the past two years, more than ever, people need to know that Jesus is the answer. That there is hope in his name. That there is great things that he can do in your life. But most especially, that he loves you. That he came into this world. That he is giving you that promise. And he can give that promise to whoever believes in him. So don't miss that opportunity to make room for the Savior to come in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He can dwell, meaning to say he can stay there, he can live there, he can be in you through your faith in his name. Now, this is probably one of those topics that are hard, but, you know, this is a good time to say, you know, Jesus, I need to make room to heal my broken places. What are the broken places in your life right now? What are those areas in your life that are broken? Your relationship with your spouse? a prodigal son or daughter that walk away from your faith or the faith and or your family, the loss of a loved one, family or friend, someone that is really sick, someone that is living in fear, 
what are those areas that are broken right now? What are these areas that you need to say, Jesus, please come and help me and I need you to fix this because I try to fix it in many ways and there's no way I can fix it on my own. Have you ever tried to fix something with the wrong tools? <laughs> it's a disaster. Have you ever tried to do plumbing without knowing anything about plumbing? I have, it happened to me the other day. I almost flooded the whole house. It's like, oh, it was, it's a disaster. You know, many times we try to fix our problems that way, or life, or spiritual life, or emotional life. And you know, I tell you, this is a good time. This is a good, it's a good season. This is a safe place to come and say, Jesus, fix those broken areas in my life. What do you have to give him so he can, and he knows that. There's nothing that you are hiding from him. He knows exactly what needs to be fixed. But you need to come and say, fix it. There's a beautiful quote that I love, and it's a great reminder. I mean, it's uh, Psalm 34, but I have a quote later on. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Make that promise yours. He can heal those broken places. And make room to remember what he has done. You know, make room to remember what Jesus has done this year. This morning I took five minutes. I wrote down some of the things that the Lord has done in my life this past year. And you know what? After just writing ten things, I was looking down and I started crying. I said, God, you are so good. I could be in a place of complaining. I could be in a place of asking why this not happened. But you know what? I realized that the more you walk with him and the more you trust him and the more faith you have in him, you will realize that he does all things. He works all things for good. He takes care of every single detail. And even those things that did not happen, I'm looking at them right now and I say, thank you, Jesus. And for the things that happened, I say, how did that happen? I have no idea. It was you who did it, not me. Not my ability, not my strength, not my energy. It was you. So remember what he has done. And let me tell you this, he is not done yet. He's not done so even though you're in a place where you say, what he has done, everything is a mess. Well, this is the time where you need to come and say, God, fix it. I need you. I surrender. I can't do it anymore. And then you can go back a year from now or a day, you know, whatever. And then you can say, oh, wow. He has done some amazing things. He has done some amazing things. And he will continue to do that because he is, he is God. Never changes. Always the same. He is faithful to his promises. And there is that quote that I was talking about from Charles Spurgeon. It says, In prosperity, God is heard, and that is a blessing. But in adversity, God is seen, and it, that is a greater blessing. Amen? In adversity, that's when you see God at work. 
we can all count our blessings and see what he has done. But when you see the adverse things happening and you see how God is working on that, it's so, so amazing. And the last thing I want to share about making room is this. Make room to ask Jesus to renew your heart or hearts. We all need that. Because, you know, I think about it like every year at the end of the year, we all feel like we're super tired from the whole year. Right? I hear so many people saying, oh, I just wish December is over so I can start working out again in January. I can start my diet in January. I can start praying more in January. I can start doing, you know, and sometimes we feel overwhelmed. But you know what I have? I think we need to change that attitude and say, Jesus, I need you to renew my heart every day. Every day. And you know what? Maybe this is not the time to make up for all the things that you didn't do, but maybe this is the time to start doing all the things that you didn't do. This is not the time to say, well, I didn't pray every day, or I didn't do all these things I wanted to do. But this is the time to start with something. And to say, Jesus, renew my heart. Renew my life. Help me to experience you more and more every day in my life. Don't miss that opportunity. Because he's coming. He's knocking. He wants to come in. You know, this is your opportunity. Are you making room for him on this season? Is it sounds like uh, what we hear all the time, right? That Jesus is the reason for the season. But it's really, truly the, 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 the reason for your life, for your season in life, for every day in your life. Is it truly he who is a priority? And if it's not, this is a good day. This is a good time to do that. And let me just close with this verse. And it's a beautiful psalm. Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3, it says like this. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Let me read that one more time. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You can have a picture of that. Maybe you feel like you've been laying down in a rock for a long time. Maybe you feel like you can't do this anymore. It can be overwhelming. It can be very tiring. You can get to a point where you feel like this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't seem to be getting better. Look at our world. Look at my life. But you know, he says, you can lay down in green pastures. This is this analogy of the sheep that were feeding on something good, on something fresh, on something clean. that were being restored, that they were feeling like, I don't know, if, have you ever slept like that, where you feel like you wake up and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best sleep I ever had in my life. 
and you feel like I need to do everything today. I don't know. Maybe you're dealing with illness. You're dealing with a broken heart, separation of your family, financial problems, addictions. Make room for Jesus today. Because it says there, He leads me beside the quiet waters. There's something beautiful about these quiet waters. There's something beautiful to know that you can find the peace that you're seeking. And it says, He refreshes my soul. Does your soul need to be refreshed today? Is this Christmas time a good time to do that? Where you can say, I need that. I need to refresh my soul, Jesus. And then after that, it says, He guides me along the right paths. He will direct you to the right things. He will help you in those areas. What can go wrong? What else do you need to know? Don't miss the chance. Make room for Jesus. And invite others to come in. Invite him to come in and invite those that you know that are lost, that are hopeless, to come in. Don't miss the chance. Because he will guide you along the right path for his name's sake. As closing, I would like to invite you to close your eyes and to reflect on everything that you have here today. And to ask this question one more, more time Are you making room for Jesus today? Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the hope that we have in your name. Forgive us, Lord, if sometimes we're so busy. We want to make room for you. Help us. We surrender our lives to you, God. We give, it, we give you all. We trust in your name. We trust in your promises. And we trust in what we could do. Give us that rest that you have promised us. Give us up your presence. Dwell in us, Lord. Let us be mindful about this time that beautiful gift that you have given to us as we celebrate your birth, as we celebrate your coming into this world. We love you, Lord. And we pray all this in your beautiful name, Jesus.
Amen. Thank you, Oliver, for your heart. I'm going to ask the ushers if they can just to keep the baskets at the doors on the way out, and uh, you can drop off your offerings and connection cards if you have any prayer requests. After every service, we have a prayer area that's open to you. If you have a particular prayer need, each of those were powerful questions to be asking us, all seven of those. And if you'd like to pray with someone, feel free to do that after service. On your way out this morning, make sure you pick up your box of love and make sure that this Christmas season we leave room in our heart for Christ in all ways. God bless. Have a good week.